Bibles, if you would, look with me in the book of Jonah. Uh, as you're all on the altar this morning, I believe that's a very applicable, once again, song for the message this morning. I want to preach a message entitled, You Just Don't Get It. Have you ever been looking at, at one of your children or having a conversation and you're trying to, maybe you're a coach. Uh, maybe you're over a, a program and you're, you're trying to get something across and it's just not registering. And through your mind, the, the statement, you just don't get it, maybe comes across. You know, this morning, there are, there are multiple people who have walked the doors of this gymnasium that are meeting together. And every single one of us have found ourselves in a season. For just a moment, I want you to visually see this This for just a moment. I'm going to uh, hand some of these pieces of paper up and out. And when I hand it out, I want you just to stand in place for just a few moments. And I want to bring some of these things to you and get these to your hands so you can understand exactly what I mean by the, these seasons. I'm going to get Lane. And Lane, I'm going to have you be the runner for just a moment, just so I don't walk out there and this thing goes crazy on you. But if you would, go ahead and hand this uh, to uh, Braxton over there. This, if you would, Braxton, go ahead and stand. This season right here that Braxton is going to represent is what we would consider a mountaintop season. Now, you know what this season is. This is the season where, man, nothing's going wrong. It's just wonderful. It's, it's great. I mean, there's, there's no problems. There's no difficulties. It's just, it's just joyful. I mean, you're, 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 you're waking up every day and there's no care in the world. It's just everything is the way it needs to be or the way you want it to be. The mountaintop seasons. Landon, if you would, go and take this to Brother Andy over here. Brother Andy right there. He'll stand up for you. And this season right here is the valley. Now, some of you might have walked in here this morning and you're thinking, man, I'm in that valley. The valley is that hard season. There ain't nothing good going on. It's just difficult. It's, it's the struggle. It's, it's waking up every day and thinking about all the problems that you have to address and the, the issues that you're facing and the, maybe the, the circumstances aren't pleasant, but nonetheless, you're, you're in the valley. It's, it's difficult. It's not pleasant by any means at all. And we could continue going on. Jaden, you come and grab this one and stand for me. This is the hard times. There's a difference in hard times and valleys. There truly is. Hard times are just times whenever it's, it's you know, it's just, it's hard. That's the way you say it. It's not necessarily the, the, the worst it could be, but it's not definitely not the easiest it could be either. It's just hard. You've got those blessed seasons, Landon. If you would, go ahead and take this to Brother Austin back there. Brother Austin can stand and hold this, the blessed season. You're talking about, man, blessing after blessing after blessing. Those seasons where it seems as though week after week after week, someone's coming to you and saying, hey, how's everything going? You're saying, man, you just won't believe it. The Lord has just been so good. It's been a wonderful thing. If you would, go and hand this to Brother Cyrus. The training times. The training times. This, this season is that, that season where maybe you're receiving some training or you're, you're giving out some training, but nonetheless, it's a season where there's a lot of information either coming to you or being passed out nonetheless. The learning time, Landon, if you would go ahead and this, Miss Dana, if you don't mind, I'm going to hand this one to you, Miss Dana. Learning time. Now look, none of these seasons represent the season these individuals are in. We're just handing out random pieces of paper. But you have the learning time. A lot of information, again, being passed, but you're learning, you're soaking these things in. Different seasons. What about the speaking one? Miss Rebecca, if you would, I'm going to have you stand, Landon, if you would, get that to Miss Rebecca. 
The speaking time. Now, what's the speaking time? The speaking time is where, man, the Lord has given you an open door, but more than that, He's not only just giving you an open door, He's giving you influence in someone's life or a group of people, and you're able to speak. Maybe about the Lord, maybe about the blessings of God, maybe about the, the truth, maybe about salvation, maybe about uh, certain things that people have questions about and you've experienced, but nonetheless, there are times and seasons where you are speaking nonstop, it feels like, and you can't keep up. The living testimony, Landon, go ahead and give this to Brother Harold back there. The living testimony season here. There are times whenever you're not necessarily speaking, but you're just a living example. You know, there are, there are certain leaders, there are some leaders who would be bold and boisterous and they're out there, they're going to say whatever needs to be said at any given time. And there's also the quiet leaders, those who just live by example, just do what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it, if you would. The living example sometimes, that, that's a season that we all sometimes go through and you begin to want to be an influencer or help someone, but you say, you know what, I can't get their attention, so I just need to live faithful and maybe they'll catch it. The influencer. The influencer. Brother Ken, if you would, I'm going to hand this to you, Brother Ken. And as I, we think about influencers, you might be an influencer right now and you're thinking, man, the Lord has given me this door to really be a, a big influencer, have a great impact on someone's life. Maybe to, to make a difference or whatever the case might be, but you think about different positions. Some of you go to your workplace and you have great influence in your workplace. Miss Kim, I'm going to hand this one to you, the influenced, if you would. Miss Kim's back here. She's going to stand up for you. Let me just hand these out rather quickly. The follower. Some of you might be a, a leader. We're going to get to that here in just a moment, but the follower. Miss Ruth, I'm going to hand this one to you if you don't mind. I'm going to hand this one to you. Miss Ruth, right behind Miss Dana. Miss Elizabeth, I'm going to get this one to you. Jaden, if you could hand this one to Miss Elizabeth, the leader. Different seasons. I could go on and I could hand out the rest of these. The teacher. The student. The praying season. The seeking season. The trusting season, the launching season, the working season, the resting season, season after season after season. Now, if we were to hand the rest of these out, about eight more people would go ahead and stand. And as you begin to think about that, this is what I want you to understand, that when you walk through the doors of the church, and sometimes we, we will miss this, but sometimes we just see the people and we're walking through and everyone's sitting down. But if I were up here this morning, I were to say, hey, everyone who's in a season of burdens, go ahead and stand. All of a sudden, you see groups of people that would stand. Hey, if you're in a praying season, go ahead and stand. People would stand. Hey, if you're in a teaching season or a, a launching out season or a, a difficult season or a hard season, you're getting it, that people would begin to sit down and stand up, sit down and stand up. Because every single one of us this morning have walked into this auditorium and we're in a season. But here's what I want you to, to understand this morning. In each of those seasons, you might feel as though you're the only one in that season. Now, some of you might rejoice that you're only the only one in that season. Those mountaintops, you're just thinking, man, I'm living the life and don't have to worry about nobody. It's wonderful. But how many times do we go through these seasons and God is sitting there saying, you just don't get it. You just don't get it. In the midst of that, that season of uh, brokenness, God is trying to teach you something and, and you're not willing to heed to His teaching, if you would. He says, you just don't get it. Maybe in that, that season of influence, sometimes if we're not careful, we begin to try to influence people and we try to tell them what we think they need to hear 
instead of what God desires for them to hear. And God is sitting there saying, oh, I've given you influence in life and you just don't get it. The praying season, sometimes you're praying and you're, you're seeking for the Lord to intervene and for the Lord to work, but in the midst of that prayer, the Lord is trying to get you to understand that you're missing all of what God is trying to teach you and show you and reveal to you. You just don't get it. This morning, could I encourage you, you've walked into the church this morning. This is just a, a simple example of the different seasons that, there's so many more seasons. Which season are you in this morning? Maybe you're in that season of difficulty. Maybe you're in that season of rejoicing. Maybe you're in that season of the valley or the mountaintop or, or that season of prayer, that season of launching out. Maybe you're in that season of, of some really hard times. And you've walked in and you, you've walked in in such a way where you're just missing what God is truly trying to do. You know, you can be on the mountaintop and still be missing what God is truly trying to do in your life. Oh, there's no problems. There's, there's no difficulties. But God's sitting there saying, yeah, well, you still ain't thanked me for it. You still ain't praised me for it. You still haven't come to me rejoicing in what I, I'm doing in your life, and you're just not getting it. Y'all can be seated. This morning, I pray that that visual will help you that sometimes we can take for granted and we just assume that everyone else is perfectly fine, that we're the only one going through something. But if God were here this morning to reveal every single one of the difficulties or every single one of the problems or maybe those who are in the, the, the spiritual blessing season or maybe those who are in the mountaintop season, we would see people standing and sitting, standing and sitting. You see, everyone's somewhere. Everyone is somewhere this morning. And as you come to the book of Jonah, Jonah is a short book, four chapters. And as you walk through the book of Jonah, as I began to read this book, I began to think, he just don't get it. He just don't get it. Have you ever just been, been standing there? Maybe you, you've been trying to teach someone how to do something. Maybe you've been on the job site. I know this has happened, Brother Cyrus, on the job site for you and some of you who work in that engineering type of world. Some of you soldiers, you've probably been trying to teach someone. And you're standing there, you're just observing. You've showed them three or four times and they're still doing it wrong and you're just doing this. They just don't get it. Jonah didn't get it. Notice with me, chapter number 1, we jump right into it. Verse number 1, the Bible says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is to come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto, the, unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Now, fast forward for just a few moments. You understand, chapter number 1, Jonah is on that boat, and the people are going to hear in a moment address why Jonah's on the boat. He's going to be fast asleep, and there are going to be some conversations that are had, and then Jonah's going to be tossed into the sea. In chapter number 2, the Bible says, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. He swallowed up. He swallowed up. Now, in, in Jonah, this book of the Bible, you'll find that Jonah is, has a specific calling on his life. Can I share with you, every single one of us have a calling on our life. Every single one of us. Some of you might have walked in thinking, oh, I'm just a nobody. Yeah, we're all nobodies. There's nothing good in us. But by the grace of God, he still has a calling on our life. And you see, some of you are in a season, and God has placed you in that season, or allowed you to go through that season for a purpose. 
As you think about those seasons, you think about the season that, that Jonah has found himself in, and Jonah is finding himself being told to go, and it says in verse number 2, Arise, go to Nineveh. Now, listen, Nineveh wasn't an easy place to go to. We might look at Nineveh, and we might just think, Oh, yeah, I mean, it's easy. He should have just gone. <laughs> it ain't that easy. You ever been giving advice or receiving advice, and the thought runs through your mind as you're either giving it or receiving it? It's easier said than done. That's this situation right here. It's easier said than done. Matter of fact, I'm confident that 9 out of 10 Christians wouldn't have gone themselves. You say, well, what's, what's so bad about Nineveh? Nineveh was a destructive place. If you go and you begin to study the people, the Ninevites, you'll find that they weren't real pleasant people to be around. And they weren't just people that you, you walk into their presence, oh, they're, they're hugging you and smiling and saying, good to see you. If they're saying good to see you, it's because they have something dirty planned for you. They're destructive people. They're dangerous people. They're not, they're not people that you would want to uh, be around naturally. And, and Jonah knows all of this about the Ninevites. They're a different people. Man, how God desires in 2022 for some Christians to say, you know what, not only am I going to be different, but I want to reach those people that are different. And sometimes we get caught up and we only talk to those in our little bubble and only those that we think we look like and only those that we think we act like and only those that we think we talk like. And we won't go and reach those who God has told us to go reach. Why? Because maybe they're a little different. Maybe they're a little difficult. Maybe they're a little dangerous. Maybe they're a little destructive. And that's where Jonah finds himself in a situation where it's easier said than done. And sometimes, if we're not careful, we look at this story of Jonah and we say, Oh, Jonah, how dare you not go and do what God has called you to do? And I pause on the spot for just a moment, and I include myself in this, but how many times have we not done what God has called us to do? We say, oh, well, it's different. No, no, no. Disobedience is still disobedience. Ain't no way around it. You can label it however you want to, but disobedience is still disobedience. And as you come to this portion of Scripture, you find in the very first portions of Jonah, chapter 1, that his disobedience was because of his distress. And you begin to see all that he doesn't want to go because not only is he distressed about what could happen, but he don't even like these people. Displeasure is something that you find in the life of Jonah where he says, hey, these, ain't, these, aren't, these aren't people I want to reach. You ever had someone say something about you? talk about you, hurt your feelings, and the opportunity to be a blessing to them arises in what? You don't want to, right? I'm not, I'm not going to be a help to them. You know what they did to me? You know what they said about me? You know what they said to me? We'll get to that here in just a little while. But Jonah is one who, as you read this portion of the Scriptures, you walk away saying, he just didn't get it. You see, this morning in Four short chapters, we find four seasons that I believe every single one of us, if we're not careful, we go through ourselves. There's many seasons, as we already made reference to, but four that we see in this book of the Bible here that I pray will be a help to you. And if you find yourself in one of these seasons, can I encourage you, don't just think about it, address it. And move forward and see what God has for you. Notice with me, number one, we see that Jonah found himself in a stormy season. A stormy season. Now you look at Jonah's situation, you say, oh, poor Jonah. Look, Jonah's disobedience got himself into this stormy season. His rebellion got himself into this stormy season. Sometimes, if we're not careful, there are going to be natural storms in our lives and difficulties that we'll face and we'll go through and we'll begin to think, oh man, I've I've encountered this season of difficulty and this stormy season where it just continues to pile on top of itself. But there are also those stormy seasons where God is saying, hey, I want to do something in your life, but you won't heed it. 
And all of a sudden, the storms begin to arise. Notice with me, if you would, in verse number 2 of chapter 1, the Bible says, Arise, go to Nineveh. Well, now we're gonna we're gonna try to make this as quick as possible because I want to get you somewhere this morning and try to be a help to you. The Bible says in verse number two, "Arise, go to Nineveh." Well, why do I need to go to Nineveh? Cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Well, what's Jonah do? Jonah does not go to Nineveh. Jonah flees and he goes to Tarshish, if you would. The Bible says, but Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So you begin to think about man, his disobedience, man, his rebellion, and you're thinking, oh, Jonah's just going to go on the run. That's not what takes place. Verse number 17 of that exact same chapter, can I share with you that if you want to rebel against God, if you want to disobey God, God's already prepared for that plan too. You say, oh, I'm going to get you, God. I'm not going to serve you. Oh, He's prepared to get your attention there too. Verse number 17, the Bible says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to follow, uh, swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. God says, I want to use you. Nope. I'm gone. I don't like the Ninevites. I don't want to be used. I don't, I don't want to reach those people. They don't deserve it. That's, that's something that I don't want to even touch. And it's so important in our lives to see that this stormy season is one that I truly believe the Lord didn't want to send to Jonah's life. You know, you ever had a child? I know, I'm sure I said this as a child. I'm sure I thought it as a child. Some of these children may have said it. But you ever had your child look at you and say, you just don't want me to have fun? You ever had that before? Jackson, for a couple of weeks, I don't think I've heard it lately, but for a couple of weeks, anytime we would say he wasn't allowed to have something, he would say, y'all never let me. I said, boy, you get it more than you realize. You just won't let me have fun. You just don't want me to have fun. Sometimes we have that mentality towards God. Lord, you just don't want me to enjoy life. No, as a matter of fact, if you would heed to all of his blessings and all of the truths that are found in the Scripture, he wants you to enjoy life more abundantly. Heeding to the truths of God's Word. Can you imagine with me for just a moment, Jonah is told to go to Nineveh, and we already know the story. The greatest revival to ever take place is found right here. The greatest revival. Now, the Lord already knows what's going to take place. He, he wants Jonah to go and to, to preach to these people and to help these people to understand their wickedness and that they need to turn from that wickedness. Jonah says, I'm not going to. I'm going to flee. Can you imagine me for just a moment, Jonah, if he were in modern day 2022, he might have looked and he said, Lord, you just don't want me to have fun. You want me to go and do all this, but I don't want to. I want to do this. You just don't want me to enjoy that. Oh, I want you to enjoy one of the greatest blessings you're ever going to see. The whole people, they're going to turn. All of them are going to experience a great reviving. Jonah, that's what you're going to get. You're going to experience one of the greatest blessings that you'll ever find. And instead of just going and doing what God had told him to do, Jonah says, no, I'm not going to go. And so now he encounters a stormy season. Stormy seasons are one of those seasons that we find in our lives when we disobey and when we rebel against God. You ever been in your own life thinking that God is only telling you to do something and not telling everyone to do something? Sometimes we can tell that little pity party. Well, he wants me to do this. He wants me to live right, but I don't see them living right. Well, quit comparing yourself to man and start looking to God and saying, Lord, I want to be more like you. You know, the, the statement arise and go is one, and the truth itself is one that is found multiple times in Scripture, as a matter of fact. In the book of Genesis, you find Jacob here. The Bible says in verse number 3 of chapter 35, the book of Genesis, And let us arise and go up unto Bethel. And I will make there an altar unto God who answered me in the day of my distress and was with me in the way which I went. 
arise and go. You look at Joshua, Joshua 1-2, Moses, my servant. Man, can you imagine being someone who walks onto the scene after the great Moses is no longer there? Moses, my servant, is now dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Gideon in Judges 7-7, And the Lord said unto Gideon, By the three hundred men that lapped will I save you and deliver the Midianites into thine hand, and let all other people go, every man unto his place. And he says, Go. Arise, go. You go and you read the, the, the Gospel accounts, and you'll find the Great Commission is not just to certain individuals, it's to all of us. Go. Go. And as you come to this portion of Scripture, you begin to see that the Lord is desiring to use Jonah, but Jonah is limiting his usefulness. The truth is this, very simply, Jonah was called to go to battle, but he got bored with God's plan and he missed the entire blessing. He missed it. He didn't get the burden that God desired him to have. He missed it. How many times has God been dealing with each of us and He's trying to get us to, to do a certain thing or act a certain way in, in our lives to live conform to His image and live like Him and He's trying to lead us here and trying to direct us here. He's trying to help us to launch out here and all the while we're saying, God, I'm not going to do it. God says, oh, I want to send you for a purpose and I want to use you. I want you to, to go and to, for me to be able to use you in a mighty way and I want you to, to catch the burden for this and God is trying to deal with us and all the while we're saying no. We're fleeing. Now it's important to understand in verse number 3 as it says, But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down. Now there's a, pre- uh, there's a message there and went down. Anytime you're going down, you certainly aren't walking with the Lord. You, know, you want to walk with the Lord, He's always going to take you up. Even in the midst of the valleys, you'll be walking up. And so in this portion of Scripture, you begin to see that this stormy season is one that Jonah encountered, not because God intended for it to take place, but because of his disobedience. His rebellion. This morning, if we were to put it into terms in which we could understand it this morning, and there are many Christians who would be considered, uh, God, use me until Christians. God, I want you to use me. Go and share the gospel. Well, there's other people who can do that. Now I want you to go, oh, I feel like someone else could do that. God, use me. All right, go and serve in this ministry. Well, that's not really a ministry I feel like I want to serve in. God, use me, all right, you, I want you to go and do this and talk to this person. Well, that's probably someone else's job right there. You know, there, there are certain things sometimes that we have to, to, to hear to really understand, but the gospel is not just for the preacher to share. It's not just for the missionary to go and tell someone about. It's not just for the, 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 the soul-winning club, if you were to call it that. You say, well, they're a better soul-winner. No, they just do it. There's no such thing as a better soul winner. There's just some who do it and some who don't. As you begin to think about this truth right here, this stormy season that he has found himself in, I wonder if you're finding yourself in a stormy season, not because of just natural things that take place, but because of your own rebellion, your own disobedience, and God is trying to get your attention. You've entered into a stormy season. Number two, not only do we see that he entered into a stormy season, but we also see another season in his life. And this season is a schooling season, if you would. Verse number 1 of chapter number 2, it says, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly, and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. 
And he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried, I, and thou heardest my voice, for thou hast cast me into the deep, into the midst of the seas, and the floods come past me about, and all thy billows and thy waves pass me over. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. Yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters come past me about, even the soul, to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet thou hast brought up my life from corruption, O Lord, my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thine own holy temple, that they observe lying vanities, forsake their own mercy. I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord, and the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon dry land. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go. Now listen, there's a, there's a lot of schooling going on in this season right here. There's a, there's a silent schooling that's going on as, as Jonah is dealing with his own sin and his own issues in the belly of the whale. Now you've all experienced, we've all experienced this silent schooling whenever you know that you are doing something against everything that contradicts God's Word and you're going against and you're bucking God's calling on your life. You're, you're, you're going against what God desires for you to do and all of a sudden, all of a sudden conviction sets in. The Lord ain't said nothing yet. And all of a sudden, that silent schooling is taking place. Why? Because you know what the Word of God has to say. You know what the Lord desires. And so you're just dealing with your sin by yourself. Conviction sets in. As Jonah is finding himself here in this belly of the whale, as you find him in this schooling season, there are some reasons that Jonah found himself here. And as he found himself there, there were legit reasons in Jonah's mind that he was not going to go and to share the gospel with these people. Let's just put it plain and simple. The first reason is Jonah hated the Ninevites. He hated the Ninevites. And we say, oh, he shouldn't hate. There's some people you don't like either. No, we, we, we don't want to talk about that, but there, there's, there's people you don't like, do you? The Lord has to work in your life about that. You don't like them maybe because they hurt you. You don't like them because they, they've said something about you. You don't like them because they've done something to you. And, and all of a sudden, you, the Lord begins to deal with you and He's trying to get you to understand that, hey, even in spite of the fact that they have done that, they still deserve my grace. Notice what the Bible says about this subject of hating your enemies, that bitterness and unforgiveness that you harbor. Proverbs 24, verse number 17, Rejoice not when thine enemy falleth. Now look, if, if one of these boys were to come up and were to hurt my feelings, and, and I see that they're walking outside, and he, he let's just say Landon says something, and he really hurts my feelings. And so I, I see him outside, and as he has hurt my feelings... He maybe slips up and says something to someone that he shouldn't say, and it's something that goes against what God desires for him. Maybe he says a curse word. He loses his testimony. You know what I should not be doing? I shouldn't be over here saying, that's what you get. Good for you. You hurt me, now you've just lost your testimony. That's what you get. No, 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 no. But sometimes if we're not careful, we love to see our enemies fall. We love to see them hurt. We love to see them going through some things. And Proverbs 24, 17 says, Rejoice not when thine enemy falleth, and let not thine heart be glad when he stumbleth, lest the Lord see it, and it displease him, and he turneth away his wrath from him. 
Matthew 5, verse number 44, But I say unto you, love your enemies. Whoa, Lord, you're asking a lot right there. You mean I... I don't know if I can do it. You mean I need to... I need to be gracious to them? Yep. You mean whenever I come into the presence of them, I need to be kind? Yep. Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Proverbs 25, verse number 21 and 22, If thine enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he be thirsty, give him water to drink. For thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall reward thee. We were laughing about this a couple of days ago. But whenever I first moved from Columbus, Indiana to Columbus, Georgia, my brother-in-law, who you all have met, Brother Zach, did not like me. Couldn't stand me. I was the new guy. And me and Brother Zach and, and Brother Troy and some of the other guys, we would play basketball after church. And I was the new guy. And not only was I the new guy, but I enjoyed playing basketball. And me and Troy, which was Brother Zach's best friend at the time, they, they, they were like pals. And all of a sudden, Josh Farmer was working his way into that little group. He didn't like me. He didn't want to see. He, he got annoyed. He, he did not want me to be around. But God began to work. You know, I've seen this time and time again where there have been people who didn't get along at first and all of a sudden they began to maybe pray for each other. Maybe they were just gracious to each other. And now they're the best of friends. You say, well, what's, what's the big deal? That's Bible evidence right in front of you. You see, sometimes there are misunderstandings and we begin to label someone as an enemy even though they're not really an enemy. There's just something that maybe was a misunderstanding. Something that was said that wasn't meaning to be said that way. Now in this situation here, Jonah hates the Ninevites and he says, I do not want them to get saved. I don't want them to be spared. You say, well, how do you know that he didn't want them to get spared? Notice with me if you would, verse number 2, chapter 4. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God, and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of evil. Lord, I knew you were going to. He didn't want them to experience that. He just hated the Ninevites. Bitterness had overtaken him. The second reason we knew... And we find that second reason I just mentioned, Jonah knew that God would spare the Ninevites. He didn't want them spared. The third reason we see is Jonah was sidetracked. You know what sidetracked Christians look like? Unavailable. Sidetracked Christians are unavailable, and there are many excuses as to why they can't serve God or why they can't do this because they're sidetracked with everything else but what God desires. Hey, you want to serve the Lord? Yes, I want to serve the Lord. All right, hey, come and do this. Well, I can't do that. I've got other, other things that I want to do. Priority. Sidetrack Christians are oftentimes Christians who are unavailable, and all of a sudden you'll begin to see sidetrack Christians become Christians who are very critical of other Christians because they know they ought to be doing that, but that person who's available and they're standing here in their unavailability, they begin to criticize other Christians. You know, we, we are living in a modern day uh, Christianity where there are people all over social media who say things that they wouldn't say to someone's face. 
There are people who are, are criticizing other Christians. There are Christians who are uh, uh, fighting against each other on social media. There, there are preachers going after other preachers and churches going after other churches. Just a few years ago in a great revival that God was using a man. There were a group of preachers that said, there's no way that all these people are getting saved. As if God can't still save souls. But it's just so easy to be critical. Oh, it's so easy to say that God can't do this, and all of a sudden churches start to grow, and they, they say, well, they must be doing something funny over there, because there's no way that that church could be growing like that. Now, look, I'm thankful for a large crowd this morning and many visitors. For those of you who've been here with us for the last six, going on seven years that we've been here, you can testify to this. Ain't nothing changed. Preaching of the Word of God. Singing of the great hymns. Loving on each other. Fellowship. And happy Christianity. But you know, there are still some people out there that will say, they must be doing something different over there. Why? Because it's so easy to be critical. You know, there there are people who have said stuff about me and there are people that have said stuff about you, and there are people that have said stuff about our church. And you know what? You want to know how I how I pay attention to it? I, I listen to it, I read it, I hear it, and then I go on about my business. You know why? Because critical people aren't fun to be around, anyways. So why should I listen to that criticism? And oftentimes I'll look at that and I'll say, okay, let's take it for what it is. Are they a faithful Christian? If they are, say, okay, maybe I need to maybe I need to, to search the scriptures and see if we're doing something that we ought not be doing. Nope, lines up with the scriptures. Okay, we keep pressing on. If it's someone who's unfaithful, unavailable, then I take it for what it is and I say, you've got to take your source. Kind of like whenever someone is talking about you or saying something about you and there are certain things that you begin to realize. Maybe that person is a very dramatic person or maybe that person is a person that is known for having a testimony of lying and all of a sudden that person begins to talk to you about something. And what do you say? You've got to consider that source. Jonah here just very simply didn't like the people. He didn't want them to experience what God wanted them to do. And he was sidetracked. He let that bitterness get into his heart and Jonah said, no, 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 no. I don't want them to experience it. Jonah began to experience a season of schooling that was silent but also public. Notice with me if you would. In verse number three, in verse number one of chapter number three, and the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. I don't know about you, but I am thankful for a God of second chances. There have been so many times in my own life where I have failed God and I know that I have hurt God and I know that I have hurt the testimony of the work that God desired to do, but I'm so grateful for a God of second chances. As you begin to see the second chances here, there are many things in this portion of Scripture. As you back up to verse number 5 of chapter number 1, you'll see that there is so much that is going on here. And as you begin to see in chapter number 3 of verse number 1, the second chance, it's amazing how God worked all this out. Because in verse number 5, chapter number 1, the Bible says, Then the mariners were afraid and cried, every man unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were were in the ship into the sea to lighten of them. But Jonah was gone down in the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou a sleeper? Now listen, that, that question right there, and that, that last word, O oh sleeper, if you would, is a derogatory one. It's not like he was saying, 
Hey, bud. Hey, I just wanted to wake you up. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you realize this, but we're in the midst of a storm. Um, do you know anything about this? That's not how it was. No, he, 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 he walks up and he says right here, What meanest thou? You know what he's saying right here? What are you doing? What are you thinking? There, there are times whenever there are employees who get a scolding from the manager because they were doing something either poorly or they, something they weren't supposed to be doing. And the manager says, what were you thinking? There are times whenever you have to get on to your children and you're trying to get their attention and they do something that they shouldn't be doing. You say, what are you doing? What are you thinking? Why, why would you do that? The, the, the mariners here are concerned about all this, and he says right here, the shipmaster, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. Now listen, this is an interesting thing. In this portion of Scripture, they recognize who Jonah's God is. Ain't that funny? And there, in 2022, there are Christians who are living a certain way, and all the while, the world's sitting there saying, But I thought you... I thought you were a Christian. Go back to last week's sermon. Something ain't adding up. And they're sitting there saying, what are you doing? It's a sad thing when the world recognizes that Christians are doing things wrong. And Christians are oblivious to it. The shipmaster says, what meanest thou, O sleeper, Call upon thy God, if so be that God will think, think upon us that we perish not. Man, there's so much in this first chapter that you begin to see. As a matter of fact, concerning Jonah's sin, Jonah's sin, as you begin to see this, it brought panic and not peace. Sometimes we think, oh, the sin that we are in, it's not going to affect anyone else. It's just going to affect me. No, it affects others. You know why? Because we care about each other. People love you. People want to see the best for you. And you begin to think about how it's affecting the mariners and the shipmaster here. It's not bringing peace. It's bringing panic. In verse number 5, as they begin to, to wonder what is going on, it brought confusion and not comfort. In verse number 6, he says, What meanest thou? I said, What's going on? Oh, I'm confused. Can you call upon your God? Hopefully He'll, he'll think upon us for a few moments. It brought sorrow, not satisfaction. Notice what it says in verse number 10. Then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? Why would you do this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Imagine with me for just a moment. You say, well, what's the big deal? In verse number 5, notice the first few words. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God. Verse number 10, the very end, for the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Listen, the world knows about our God. There's no denying God. Even, even scientists that have been trying to disprove God and creation and all of that have come to the realization that, hey, something ain't adding up with this whole, this whole Big Bang theory. And now all of a sudden you have scientists, I think we were, while we were over in uh, Knoxville a couple of weeks ago, I think he said over 67% of scientists now believe that there is a Creator out there. That's a lot. It's a lot for evolutionists. It's a lot for scientists. 
And in verse number 10, at the very end, it says that they knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord. They knew something was up. It didn't bring satisfaction. It brought sorrow. Why would you do this? And then the final thing you see in verse number 12, it brings emptiness, not excitement. In verse number 12, it says, And he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard. They didn't want to do this. They didn't want to toss him. They knew what might take place. They didn't want to do this. And so they were trying to do anything and everything they could. Verse number 13. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to land, but they could not, for the sea was wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore, they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth. Man, what a stormy season. What a schooling season that he has found himself in. And this morning, you might have walked in and you're in a stormy season and God's trying to school you on some things. Growing up, I had a a basketball coach and whenever I would be around him, whenever he was uh, trying to, what we would say, teach me, he would say, I'm going to learn you. Any of you ever say that? I'm going to learn you. And the first couple times he said that, I said, I don't get what you're saying. Over my head. He said, I'm going to teach you something. I said, okay. You just say that. I was talking to someone just the other day, and about two years ago, I had someone who came up to me and had had used the term that someone was ghosting them. And I said, what does that mean? They said, well, they're just kind of ignoring me. I was like, well, just say that then. Ghosting? What does that mean? You know, just over my head. But maybe you're in that season of schooling. The Lord's trying to get your attention. third season is another season that we see of the life of Jonah where God used him, and that season is a serving season. You see, Nineveh was a great city that was big in size. It had power. It was strong, but it was full of sin. The Bible tells us, as you go and you look at this portion of Scripture, in verse number 3, so Jonah of chapter number 3 arose and went unto Nineveh. Now, this was about 500 miles, give or take. It was about a month's journey. It wasn't just, you know, it wasn't just like, hey, I'm going to go, I'll be back in a couple days. According to the word of the Lord, now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. As you begin to think about this, this is one as he takes this three-day journey here. Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days. Forty days. This was a month's time frame that he was going to be there. Over a month, as he took three days, and then it carried over, and he was going to preach for forty days. Notice what it says here. And Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God. This is a serving season. as He's preaching here, and as you begin to think about that, forty days. Can I share some other major events that took place in Scripture? Forty days was the flood. Rained for forty days. Jesus tempted forty days in the wilderness. Israel wandered for forty years. Moses on Mount Sinai for forty days. We might just overlook that and say, oh, what's the big deal? It's just forty days. The Lord's trying to get their attention. Time of dealing, if you would. And I want you to notice this. In verse number 5 of that same chapter, it says, The people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them, even to the least of them. Listen, I don't know about you, 
But if we had a revival meeting in Clarksville, Tennessee, and the whole city showed up, and the whole city got right with God, look what verse number 1, chapter number 4 says. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to be upset about it. Matter of fact, I'd probably be crying, and I'd probably be sitting down saying, what just happened? Wow. What did God just do, and what did we get to just take part in? A serving season. You say, oh, Jonah must have been thrilled about it. No, the final season we see will be done this morning is this, a sad season. A sad season. Now, not the sad season where someone walks into the doors of the church and you say, oh man, they're struggling, they're just sad about something. No, no, no. A sad season where you're standing there and they're upset, they're griping, they're complaining, they're bitter, they're angry, they're frustrated, they're, they're angry with God and you say, that's just sad. God is blessing, but that's just sad. A sad season. Matter of fact, it gets even worse. Not only was he displeased, but in verse number 2 it says, And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God, and merciful, and slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, Lord, take, I beseech me, and lie life for me. For it is better for me to die than to live. I don't know about you. But we're living in 2022 where there are quite a few Christians who aren't saying that. But as they walk through the doors of the church, their season is so sad because they're angry at God, angry at God's people, upset that God is doing something, upset that God is doing something in someone else's life. And they live a life that is exhibited here in this verse of one who says, just take my life. Just take my life. As I read through the book of Jonah, I get to this portion of Scripture, and I see verse number 5 of chapter number 3. So the people of Nineveh believe God, and I think, man, this is awesome. This is wonderful. Could you imagine being there and seeing everything take place here? And you say, man, Jonah, man, that's awesome. And he says, take my life. Can I share with you? He didn't get it. He didn't get it. There are Christians today that God is doing a great work in our nation right this very moment. And they're just not getting it. There are some of you, maybe this morning, who've walked in and God is doing or trying to do something in your own life and He's trying to give you opportunity after opportunity and all the while, you're just not getting it. Maybe you're in a a season of difficulty and God is trying to show you His faithfulness in the midst of all of that and you're just not getting it. Maybe you're here this morning and you have been a part of everything that God has been doing here at our church and you're sitting there and, and, and you're watching everything that's going on, but you're just not getting it. As I walked out to... Walked out. It'd be a long journey. It took us 11 hours to travel out there. As we went out to Texas... Pastor after pastor, church member after church member coming up to me in that meeting. Man, what God's doing in your church is incredible. Tell, tell, us, about, tell us about the building. Tell, how did you get... How, what did, only God. 
can, can I share with you, when we, when we talk about what God has done, have you grasped what God has done? What He is doing? The light that He has given us, the opportunity that He has given us for this season, right this very moment. Are you sitting there and all the while God is saying, man, I'm trying to show you what I want to do in this church and what God is trying to show us to, to further us and to, to move us forward and for all of His glory. And He's sitting there and He's saying, you're just not getting it. You're missing it. And I wonder this morning, time after time after time, season after season after season, we just don't get it. God says, I want you to see me. You say, can I see God in the midst of heartache? Yes. You're telling me I can see God in the midst of difficulty? Yes. I know I can see the Lord in the midst of blessing. Sometimes we choose not to, though, don't we? Sometimes there's a, a great feat that is accomplished, and we don't even acknowledge God because, hey, we did this. No, 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 no. God did. It's only by His grace. This morning, I wonder if you've walked through the doors and you're in a season. The many seasons that we made reference to this earlier, the resting season maybe, the waiting season, the, the working season, maybe the launching out season, the difficult season, the heartache season. Every single season, God can see you in. He desires for us to see Him. Maybe you're here and you're in a stormy season, a schooling season, a serving season, or a sad season. Could I encourage you, the greatest thing that you can do and the greatest thing that I can do is to be honest with ourselves. Never to neglect what God is trying to show us and deal with us with. Maybe you're in one of those seasons this morning and God is saying, you just don't get it. Could I encourage you, don't miss it. Right this very moment, what God is doing in our church, don't miss it. What God is doing in your personal life right now, don't miss it. What God is doing in this nation, revival after revival, bars being closed down just a couple of hundred miles up the road in Kentucky. Because a bartender got saved and shared the gospel with the, the owner of the bar, and all of a sudden the bar is being closed down. You say, God did that? It's amazing how, how little we think God can still work in 2022. Can I encourage you? Don't miss it. Are you getting it? Lord, we do thank you. We thank You for Your grace and Your mercy, Lord. We thank You for all that You've done. Lord, if there's one here this morning that's just not getting it, I pray that You would reveal that to us. Lord, I pray that we would all find ourselves on the altar as the song was sung, as a special, all on the altar, not just some, but all of us. I pray that You would guide us and direct us, Lord, that You would use this time, Lord. May we not be Christians who just aren't getting it. May we not just be Christians that are floating through this world just doing nothing and doing not a little bit to even try to accomplish something great for God. But Lord, may we be Christians that are sold out. Lord, yielded to You, letting You have Your perfect will and way. Guide us now. Be with this invitation. We'll thank You for it. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. With heads-